0: Morning, church. Uh, this morning's reading is taken from 1 John, chapter 3, verse 19, to chapter 4, verse 6. And you can find that reading on page 1,227 of the church Bibles. That's 1,227. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask, because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command to believe in the name of His Son. Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, everybody. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Please refresh each person here and turn us all towards faith and hope and love. Amen. So last year there was a national survey carried out by a market research group called Savanta Comres, looking at what people in the UK think about Jesus and Christians. And it makes for a very interesting reading. I recommend that you take a look at that report yourself. But there's one particular result that's relevant this morning, which is that only 54% of people in the UK think that Jesus was a real historical figure. And for people aged 18 to 24, it's just 49% who think that he was a real figure. So about half the population are either not sure what to think or they've come to this view that Jesus is a legend. Somehow a lot of Brits are accepting that message from skeptical teachers or family members uh, or websites. Or YouTube videos. And is that okay (laughs) that only half the UK think that Jesus existed at all? Well, in our Bible reading, John would say it's not okay. If you look at chapter 4, verse 1, he says that we've got to test the spirit of each message that is delivered to us from the influencers and the prophets around us, because not all the messaging that we receive is good. And he gives a test which we can carry out on those messages. Uh, Look at chapter 4, verse 2. He says, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So John is saying that acknowledging Jesus Christ as a real human is really key. And it's not a silly thing for us to acknowledge. In fact, although the public are split, over whether Jesus was real or not. Professional historians are not split on this. Almost all of them say that there's very good evidence that Jesus was a man in history. They may not confess Jesus in the flesh in the deep sense that John means, but it's a start. So take Bart Ehrman, for example, the well-known atheist New Testament expert. He's absolutely clear that Jesus was a real person. Because Ehrman points out that we have evidence from about 30 different authors writing in the first century who recognised Jesus as a historical figure. And it's hard to top that in the whole of ancient history. Or take Tom Holland, the famous British historian. I don't know if you listen to his podcast. He points out that we have evidence of a lot of creative content from someone suspiciously sounding like Jesus staring us in the face the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the sower, the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, the lost sheep, the prodigal son, the entire Sermon on the Mount, some genius was churning out spiritually excellent hit after hit at the right time and place in history. Let's admit it and call that genius Jesus. It's as though we dug up the Beatles' greatest hits and nevertheless said that the Beatles never really existed. Oh, but I don't believe the Beatles were the greatest band ever. That's not the point. (laughs) Their output is good, good evidence that at least they existed. Oh, but I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, I understand your point, but I hope that the amazing content we've got helps you ease into the idea that at least he did exist. He did come to us in the flesh. So why is it important that Jesus Christ came to us in the flesh? Couldn't we say, oh, I I don't know if he was a real person or not, but it doesn't really matter. His spiritual teaching can guide us anyway. Or from a very different view, someone might say, maybe Christ only appeared to be human. He was actually purely a divine being. Because how could a divine being fuse with the human messiness of sweat and dirt and death. But those views miss the point of what Christianity is radically saying about Jesus. We're claiming that he isn't just a spiritual influence or source of inspiration. We're claiming that he's all the fullness of God and, at the same time, genuinely human. So he didn't just observe our tiredness. He felt it. He didn't just look sympathetically at our agony, he experienced it. He didn't just preach about our wrongdoing, he bore the physical brunt of it. He didn't just lament death, he died. And as he returned bodily to life after that, he pioneered how our bodies will be redeemed, how we will eventually join him in being resurrected in the flesh. So I hope we can see what's at stake about acknowledging that Jesus came to us in the flesh. Christianity isn't a nice set of ghostly ideas. It's about a solid human being, Jesus. You could nudge him. You could cut him. And it's the wounds that he bore that can speak to the wounds that we bear. So that was my first point today. Let's acknowledge that Jesus came to us in the flesh. But you'll notice that before he talked about that, John was actually saying something that goes quite a lot further. Have a look back at what he says in chapter 3, verse 23. This is God's command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So it's one thing to acknowledge that Jesus really was a human, but it's quite a further step to believe in the name of Jesus as God's son. That will mean putting our trust in him, setting our full loyalty on him and what he stands for, and recognising him as divine Lord over our whole life. For some of you dear people today, Maybe it's now time for you to take this step. It might be that you've known about Jesus for quite a while now, that you've been kind of going along with Christianity, but now perhaps you've started to realise that there's something precious and serious here and that you need God's forgiveness and a new life with Jesus at the heart of it. If that's where you've got to today, John presents you with God's really positive command. Dear friend, believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Give your loyalty to him. Turn around from the way you were going and trust him that he will forgive you and transform you. After I finish speaking, we'll give everyone some time in quiet to speak to God and make that important step. For the people here, maybe we realize that we have believed in the past But to some extent, we've taken our eyes off the main thing in life. And we're not living with loyalty to Jesus as the focus of our lives. And again, John presents you and me with God's command. Believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Ask him to restore you to your first love for him. Offer him your life again. You notice that there's another Part to the command in verse 23 there's believing in the name of Jesus and then there's loving one another they go together as we go forward with this new life we go forward together and we go forward with practical sacrificial love for each other so as we decide to put Jesus first today let's continue to put our community here ahead of ourselves too so Let's acknowledge that Jesus came to us in the flesh. And let's believe putting our trust and loyalty in Jesus. But as we do, something very uncomfortable often happens. As we approach God in prayer, even though we've asked for his forgiveness, our hearts still condemn us. Call yourself a Christian. Remember what you did. That was absolutely dreadful. And you dare to think of coming to God now. What should we do about that feeling? Should we just back away into a black hole of shame? Look at what verses 19 and 20 say. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows. Everything. At first, that might sound like a strange answer to the condemnation that we feel, but in fact, it can be a great comfort to us. God is greater than our hearts. What does that mean? Well, let's suppose you've already asked for God's forgiveness for the thing that's making you feel dreadful. Then the good news is that God will forgive you. As John said just over the page, we read it a few weeks ago. In chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, after that confession, if I still have a condemned feeling, it's because my heart is faulty. My heart is saying that I'm still in a state of guilt before God when actually I've been forgiven. And the thing to say to myself at that moment is, God is greater than my heart. He's greater because he forgives. Even when my heart hasn't taken that in yet. And he's got the greater perspective that I'm free while my heart is still stuck in a rut. And the other part to this is that he knows everything. Again, you might think that's a weird thing to find comfort in, but it is very liberating. He knows what you did. He knows what you did. He knows what you meant. He knows that incident where it wasn't your fault. And he knows that incident where it was your fault. And everything in between. He knows how you wish you could find peace about it. He knows how you wish for forgiveness. And knowing everything, he now looks at you with a steady gaze, and in his eyes, is love. God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. You might want to say that to yourself when you approach God, when you've confessed your sin, but you still feel low. Then as our hearts settle down, we can pray with such confidence and receive from him, sure of his forgiveness and love. So, this sermon has been urging everyone here to, number one, acknowledge that Jesus has come to us in the flesh. Number two, to believe, putting our trust fully in Jesus. And number three, to have confidence that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. And as we engage with all of that, we find a kind of miracle happening that God the Holy Spirit is inhabiting us, He's making us aware of the truth. And he's helping us to overcome the temptation to turn away from Jesus. Because, as John says, towards the end of this passage in verse 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So it's now time to respond to God. Uh, Please could you stand with me if you're able to? I think for a lot of us, there are really key steps for us to take this morning. So in the quiet, perhaps you might like to close your eyes and possibly hold out your hands to God. I'll just give a few moments quiet for you to pray to him urgently and honestly about that next step for you. Come Holy Spirit. you might like to join in in your mind with any of these words that help you to articulate your response to God. Lord, I do want to acknowledge the reality of Jesus' human life. I want you to open my mind and heart to see what that means for my human life. Jesus Christ, It's time for me to believe in your name. I trust you. I transfer my loyalty to you. Please forgive me. Holy Spirit, please live in me. Jesus, you are Lord. Father, please give me confidence before you. Please set me free from condemnation, because you are greater than my heart, and you know everything. Amen. Please do tell a friend or relation that you came with about any steps you took today, because we need to go ahead with this commitment and not just leave it in a church meeting. Or please come and mention it to Adam, our vicar, or me if you like. We're not going to pressure you, we'll be friendly. And finally, if you've made a step forward with God today and are feeling that it's quite a moment for you, please do go and pray with someone in our prayer area after the service. You'll be most welcome. We're now going to sing our final song, In Christ Alone which includes the words, in Christ alone, who took on flesh. Fullness of God in helpless babe. Let's stand, or oh, we are side standing, and <laughs> sing with sincerity.